You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I am your host for the week, Trisha Brown, and this is episode number 418.5. Welcome back. Or if somehow it has taken you 418.5 episodes to find the show, then just welcome. Good for you. I don't know about all of you. It is kind of impossible for me to believe that we are nearly to the middle of 2023. Time is a slippery illusion or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, we're at the point in the year where I think we're all starting to see both the best new books to read this summer lists and the best books of the year so far pieces. But since you are here, you can ignore all of those unless they're from Book Riot, in which case they're great and you should read them. Anyway, since this is a podcast cast about backlist books, I'm going to tell you about books that aren't new but are still great for summer reading. In fact, we are dipping into the mystery thriller genre today, which is one that I don't spend nearly enough time in, but I'm always delighted by it when I do. So let's talk about who done it right after a quick break. All right, before we get into the heart of it today, one more quick reminder. Don't forget to check out the deep dive from Book Riot. If you are looking for fascinating stories, informed takes, useful advice, and more drawn from the collective experience Book Riot has as power readers, teachers, librarians, booksellers, and bookish professionals, look no further than the deep dive. You can subscribe to the bi-weekly newsletter to inform and inspire readers delivered to your inbox. Your first read, which is The Power Reader's Guide to Reading Logs and Trackers, is on the house. Check out all the details and choose your membership level at bookriot.substack.com. There's all kinds of stuff on there. There is a deep dive into Scratch and Sniff Publishing which I don't think any of us knew we needed, but now that we know it exists, we absolutely do. Vanessa broke down Mexican history via Like Water for Chocolate. As mentioned before, there's tons of stuff. Check it out. All right, here we go. Now, back to some summer reading. So obviously, let's establish right off the top that any book you read in the summer is a summer read. Any book you read at the beach is a beach read. Any book you read on vacation is a vacation read, etc., etc. But I think you could possibly make a case that certain kinds of books, and maybe specifically, perhaps, genre fiction, is the kind of book that's really well-suited to places like the beach or an airplane. So those kinds of books capture your attention. They tend to read fairly quickly. They are well-suited to be read in a few sittings, in part because you have to remember everything, especially as I was reminded when I was revisiting these books, when it comes to mysteries. The remembering part is important. So if you are the kind of person that wants to get lost in a story sometime soon, got a couple of options for you. First up is a book called Case Histories. It is by Kate Atkinson. It was originally published way back in 2004. And this is the first of Atkinson's fairly well-known Jackson Brody series, which might have actually been made into a TV series, maybe in England. I don't know. I might have made that up. Anyway, the book has been, I guess, described as a literary crime novel, which is kind of a dumb term, but maybe it helps you get the vibe of the book. You do you. It opens with three different case histories, hence the title, related to cold cases from anywhere from 10 years prior to 30 plus years prior. Kind of establishes that these three stories are the ones that are going to run throughout the course of the book. So, First up, you have the case of a three-year-old girl who goes missing from her deeply dysfunctional family during the night. That one's like the one that's 30, 35 years old. Next up, you have a young woman who is the seemingly random victim of a violent crime in an office building about 10 years prior. And lastly, you have a young mother who 
seemingly dealing with a variety of mental health challenges, some of which are um, related to the fact that she has just given birth, uh, violently attacks her husband. This one's a couple of decades prior. So these are all cold cases. They seem like they don't have anything in common, but what they have in common, what they end up having in common is Jackson Brody, P.I., So Brody is kind of the central character of this book and of the series. He's a former police detective who has taken a turn, gone into private investigating. And each of these cases, for a variety of reasons and a variety of points in the book, comes across his desk, essentially creating the narrative thread of the book. I mentioned that Brody is sort of the main character, but the story actually bounces around among a handful of narrators, which kind of gives us as readers a collective insight into what's happening Although for most of the book, we can't really make enough of it to get too far ahead of the detective work. It's not that kind of, you know, omniscient sort of book. Atkinson does go deep into each of her characters, but it's really more of an examination of what makes them tick than it is offering up hidden clues. Although, of course, there's some of that as well. I will say I think one of the things that makes this book really interesting to me is that everyone in it is some level of pathetic or sympathetic and often both. And the way that you feel about them might actually evolve or devolve throughout the course of the book. Each of our major narrators are also dealing with loss and trauma, and you can see how it shapes them and their perspectives. Like I said before, Atkinson goes deep into their points of view and experiences to essentially explain them. And by the time you finish the book, I feel like I found at least that I came to know them quite well, not necessarily to like them, for sure, but to know them. One of the challenges that I think can come about with multiple narrators, especially when the style of writing for each chapter and each character is is similar, which it is in this case, is that the voices can feel indistinguishable from each other. But even though we are sitting firmly in the internal monologue of each of these characters, I felt like the voices were pretty distinct. Eventually, um, you will find that all of these stories overlap in a way that I thought worked. Some might feel it's a little bit manufactured, but I thought it worked really well. And I can see why this continued on as a series. Even I think the most recent book was published maybe like 2018, 2019, something like that. Because despite the world of these characters being awfully dark, the slow burn of this mystery, and it really is a slow burn, the way it unfurls, I found to be incredibly compelling. I will say, speaking of how dark this book is, it does contain a lot of violence of all kinds against women and girls, and frankly, mostly girls. Atkinson seems to have some sense for what she's doing, so there's a little bit of poking at the presence of that trope of the victimization of young, innocent, quote-unquote, and frankly, in this case, mostly white girls. So if that's not your thing, either because you don't like the trope or because you don't want to read about that type of violence, maybe think twice about this one. As always, you do you. So if Case Histories is a slow burn, Quiet in Her Bones by Nalini Singh, which is our second book of the day, is definitely more on the chaotic end of the spectrum but intentionally so. So this one is a thriller that takes place in New Zealand, where the author is from, and its vibe is a little like... The best I, the best way I can describe it is Girl on a Train meets Melrose Place, which, as an aside, I fully recognize that Melrose Place is a reference that is way too old for many of you, but it was the only show I could think of where a whole bunch of neighbors are all sleeping with each other and stabbing each other in the back and stuff. Feel free to send me an alternative. In the meantime, we're sticking with that. Anyway... The book opens with Arav, an author in his late 20s, finding out that his mother's remains have been discovered a decade after she just disappeared with a quarter of a million dollars. It becomes pretty clear pretty quickly that she was murdered, and 
that she didn't die recently. She died the night that she fled her home in a green jaguar full of rage and also full of alcohol. Arif had a very close, if maybe also pretty unhealthy, relationship with his mother, and he is determined to figure out what happened and who killed her. Suspects range from his father, who he super hates, which totally makes sense because that guy is trash, to a variety of neighbors, and Arif immediately starts trying to pin down what happened. He, as it turns out, is a wildly successful mystery and thriller writer, so you might think he's well-poised to sort some things out, but it quickly becomes clear that Arav is a deeply unreliable narrator. He's having major memory problems for reasons that become clearer over the course of the book, and the process of sorting through his mind to figure out what he remembers happening, what he discovered, where it all intersects, that's where the chaos that I mentioned before comes in. As I mentioned earlier, Case History is our first book, gives multiple perspectives, which offer readers more insights than the person trying to solve the mysteries. But in this one, in Quiet in Her Bones, we only know as much as Arav, and in some cases it feels like we know less, and frankly, that is really saying something. Uh, it's a method that could be kind of maddening, but I actually feel like Singh uses it really effectively. To the extent that the loose threads that, like, the narrator can't quite grasp and the reader can't quite grasp, to the extent that those are frustrating, it felt to me like that was a feeling we were meant to be having so that we could understand Arv's perspective and his experience. Also, the neighbors are all pure chaos in a way that I thought was really fun and just, like, a good, interesting place to be. Not a healthy place to be, necessarily, but the neighborhood is an interesting place to be. Although I will say that until you get the hang of it, there are a lot of them and they can be a little tough to keep track of. So if I was on an e-reader, so I was doing a lot of highlighting, if you're reading in hard copy, you might want to make a list. You know, as always, however you read, you read your way. Both of these books wrapped up in ways that I found really satisfying, which as a romance reader is usually a thing that I rely on romance for. But I was reminded that that kind of a satisfying ending can almost be more satisfying with a mystery because you kind of feel like you're along for the ride, right? You're trying to figure out which character has secrets or where there's a clue hidden in the text or whatever. I highlighted the hell out of both of these books thinking that I had like stumbled on all of these clues. And to my credit, I was right some of the time and I don't even think it was all random. All of that to say, read whatever you want this summer, but if you are looking to get hooked into a mystery, maybe pick up one of these, which you can do by clicking that link right there in your show notes. See how we did that transition? Thank you, as always, to our sponsors, and a huge thanks as well to our wonderful magical audio editor, Jen Zink. And of course, thanks to you for listening. If you're looking for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or you can just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. You can find, as I mentioned, both books today in your show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. And remember, if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist, whether you're new or 418 episodes in, if you want to show a little love, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We sincerely appreciate it, and it helps other book lovers find us. If you want to find me, I am mostly on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. And seriously, if you have a more current reference than Melrose Place for like that kind of a neighborhood, please let me know because that's going to bother me probably for at least uh, the next week. But for now, until we talk again, please take good care and happy reading. Bye.